But uh, for the moment, what we're wanting to do is we're going to carry on in the, uh, in this, in the church series. We are uh, looking at what it means to be a church, what it means to live as a church. As Tony mentioned just before, we're going to talk today about what it means to be living as a body. And in fact, uh, wanting to look specifically at the fact that there is diversity in the church. We are a, a, a diverse and a, and, a, and a mixed range of, uh, of people here. Where, so there's diversity in the church, but there is unity in in Christ. So if you've got your Bibles, grab them. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. So let's, uh, let's have a look there. We're going to read uh, about uh, 14 verses there. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through to 26. Um, and so the, what, uh, what's going on here in this chapter is that Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about the spiritual gifts. And so let's just uh, pick that up here as he's talking about these spiritual gifts and how the spiritual gifts are a, uh, are a blessing to the church and they're a gift to the church. And, uh, and then he talk, says some interesting things about uh, how we are so united, even though we're so different. So for, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, Hello, my name that is... would ma- not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unrepresentable parts uh, are, are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Well, there's a lot packed into those few verses there. Uh, let's pray as we, as we get in and, uh, and have a good look uh, at this passage. Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning. Uh, it is still a, a strange uh, kind of uh, atmosphere as we, uh, as we get together and as we uh, open your word together, um, distributed around the district. Uh, and so we do, we yearn and we look forward to what we hope will be next week gathered back here together. And so we do pray to that end. We pray that the, uh, the government will re- remove the restrictions that are on the, uh, the whole of society at the moment. 
And we pray that we might be able to get back to, uh, to living a, uh, a quiet and godly life so that we might honor you and we might be able to get back to meeting together with the saints as Hebrews 10 tells us to do so that we might be able to honor you and build one another up. But even as we are, uh, are gathered through the medium of technology, Lord, we pray that we would still feel a sense of unity. Uh, and as we look at this passage, Lord, I pray that you would just draw our hearts together, realizing that we have many differences uh, amongst us, many uh, different uh, spiritual gifts, many different backgrounds, many different uh, traditions that we, that we come from, and yet we are all united in Christ. And so I pray that this would be a, uh, a time where we, yeah, where, where we are just enriched by your word this morning. So we, we thank you and we praise you for this time. I pray that you would uh, guard my mouth from error so that I would not lead anyone astray. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen. Well, if, uh, if you are a New Zealander, uh, then the chances are that you at least know of and possibly are, uh, are fans of our national rugby team, the All Blacks. Uh, our national rugby team is, uh, is one uh, uh, that stands out as an anomaly in terms of first-class or international teams, sports teams around the world. Since the beginnings of the All Blacks back in 1903, uh, they have had a 77% winning record. Since the professional era, they've had an 83% uh, winning record. Since the, in the last 10 years, they've had a 92% winning record. They play regularly uh, around the world. They play 19 nations. Twelve of those nations have never, in the history of the game, beaten the All Blacks. So there is, uh, and since world uh, since world rankings began, uh, they have been number the number one ranked world team for more time than all the other nations combined together. Uh, so they are, they are quite an anomaly. There's no other first-class sports team around the world or international sports team around the world that comes close to the, to the winning record of the, of the All Blacks. And so uh, because w uh, when we're fans of the All Blacks like that, we, we kind of get used to them winning. Um, and there's, uh, which means when we look back at, through history, it's sometimes some of the losses that stand out as quite painful uh, and, and they, they stand out in our memory. There's one particular loss that stands out in, in, my, in my mind and that's when uh, the All Blacks were playing the Lions in Wellington in July in 2017. At the 25th minute of the game, Sonny Bill Williams got red carded, only the third All Black in history to have a, have a red card. And so for 55 minutes for the rest of the game, the All Blacks played with 14 men. And you could tell for the rest of the game, they really, really, uh, uh, they hurt uh, because they were trying to cover uh, not having Sonny Bill in the middle of the back line. Uh, obviously, he was a, a significant player in their, in their team at the time. Uh, but, but even aside from that, the fact that they had 14 men and their, and their opposition had 15 men, they were struggling. They were a great team. They only lost by three, three points. It was 21 to 24. Uh, and, but that, the, uh, most commentators on the games uh, saw that, that particular moment of Sonny Bill uh, getting sent off as probably the, the turning point in the game. And they were never able to recover quite the same since then. When we're going to have a look at uh, through this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to we're going to see how, uh, how we as a body living together, we need one another. Um, we're going to see how we, uh, the, the, there's no room for each of us or any of us to be sitting on the sidelines. We need to be in the game. And so I want to speak to those uh, during, the, during the next uh, however long we have 
to uh, speak to to those that are maybe perhaps sitting on the sidelines and and have an encouragement to to use your gifts and get back in the game. And for those perhaps that are in the game, to be uh, loving and gathering around one another and supporting one another. And so. Uh, our, our roadmap really for, for today is we're going to have a look at, if you look at verse 12, the first verse that we, that we read, it says, for just, as one body, sorry, for just as the body is one and has many members, so there's our, uh, there's our diversity, we have, we're, we're one but we have many members, we're, we're all, all uh, different members in the body. Yet all the members and all the members of the body, though many, are one. There's our unity. So we're many members, but we are one. There's unity. And so it is with Christ. And there's the linchpin. There's who we are, how we are unified. We're unified in Christ. So that verse 12 there, if you're wondering where we're going today, that's kind of our roadmap. We're going to look at diversity, but we're going to look at unity together and the fact that we are unified there in, in Christ. So the first thing we want to have a look at is the fact that we are a diverse group. We are, there's many different uh, types of people in the, in the church here, and that is good. We're all different. That's a good thing. If you have a look at uh, verses 18 to 20 in our passage, uh, I'll just read them quickly. Uh, but as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If God chose it to be the case, then it's good. If all were a single member, then where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So there it is. God chose us to be different. So it's a good thing. We have different strengths. We have different giftings. Uh, if you have a look at verse 14, we're all, we all have uh, different giftings. For, one, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And this is a really helpful thing. When we think about the church, there is, uh, there's, different, there's different types of people in the church, different backgrounds. So we see things differently. This is really helpful. Um, and if you were to look at TABC as we gather together, and, and obviously if I look around the room, there's just a handful of uh, people scattered around the room uh, here at the moment and a whole lot of cameras uh, in the middle of the room. But Lord willing, next week this, this building is going to be full of a whole lot of different people. And TABC, as a, as a church group, is an eclectic bunch. We have a whole lot of different... Uh, backgrounds. If you roll back perhaps to the, to the 80s or thereabouts, uh, we would have been a very, very uh, probably uniform group in terms of we all had, uh, or the, the church all had uh, what we would call an open brethren background, almost all. Now it's a big mix. Uh, possibly there's, uh, it's only about, maybe it's about 50% that would claim to have an open brethren background. And there's a whole lot of different church traditions that are, uh, that are present with us. And that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. Think about the, the All Blacks. If, uh, if they went out on the, on the field with 15 props, they probably wouldn't go so well. Same thing if they went out on the, on the field with 15 fullbacks, they probably wouldn't do so well. Uh, but I think it, but it is a, it's a healthy thing to have a, a diverse group coming together and, uh, and being a church together. We also need to acknowledge that having a whole lot of different people together has the potential uh, to cause difficulty and, and problems as well because we see things differently. That is a good thing, but that can be a tough thing as well. That can cause tension. 
and it's going to be interesting as we as we all get back to, together to to just experience uh, the different experiences and share the different experiences that we've had through lockdown and, and our different uh, backgrounds, our different traditions. They all inform those things. It's interesting. Uh, just just as I've talked with uh, with many of you over the last year or so, the different tradi- church traditions that you have come uh, from to and then come to be here in at TABC makes you th- think about some of the things that we just naturally do because we've all, always done them uh, that way here. They they seem strange to you. They seem foreign to you. Um, and there has been some really good influences on, on the church. It's been interesting also just to note uh, the, the, the different generations across a group such as this. Uh, we are so blessed to have such a wide variety of ages, from the very young uh, to a strong, thriving youth group, uh, all the way through to a, uh, to a, a lovely group that are with us that have a little more grey hair than perhaps uh, the rest. And that's and it's a really interesting. That's a that's a really interesting part of of who we are as a church. It means that we uh, have an interesting time and an interesting uh, at at this moment in history in, in 2020, uh, we have a uh, a diverse way in which we engage with the with the world. Again, if we roll back the clock to the 80s and 90s, uh, the the value system that we held in this in this church group was very similar to the, to the value system that the rest of the world held. Now, in, 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 the, in the year 2020, in 2020, the, the, our youth group who are going through the schooling system at the moment, they are, uh, they are being taught a value system that is almost completely diametrically opposed to, the, to, the, to a biblical value system. And so the way in which we engage even the youth that are sitting in our pews is very different to the way that it was uh, perhaps a generation or two generations ago. And so even within, t- within uh, the different generations that we have within our church, there can be... That there can, there's, there's some wonderful things that come out of that, but there can be some, some difficult tensions as well. Perhaps a, an older generation might be looking at the younger generation, think, wondering why they are, uh, are thinking some of the ways that they, that they think. We just have to, we have to realize we, we have different generations here. We have a different way that our, that our youth and that, uh, that our younger generation is being, uh, is being informed by the world around them. And then, so we need to start uh, thinking about the way that we engage our our youth. We have, uh, it's not just the different traditions, it's not just the different generations in our church, there's, there's different ethnicities in our church. That's a, a wonderful and a beautiful thing. If we think, if we just fast forward to our eternity in heaven, our eternity in heaven is going to be a, a completely ethnically diverse uh, group that is there, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to live with them, and we are going to uh, uh, glorify God together with them for eternity, for, with all sorts of different ethnicities. And you think about think about the Christians across the the scope of church history. Probably, when you're in heaven. The, group, the people around you, almost certainly most of them will have a dif- different ethnicity to you. And so we, uh, we celebrate the different ethnicities and celebrate the, the, the differences that are, uh, 
that are with us. Last week was fantastic to have uh, to have Sherry here up on, on stage. We had uh, Shane speaking in Tagalog there for uh, for a moment or two. It's great just to celebrate some of those uh, some of the the, the the ethnic differences that we uh, that we have, uh, even in, in some small ways, um, uh, represented in our church family, and that's fantastic. Probably need to make uh, just a, a small uh, side note here uh, as we speak. Even even the word uh, diversity is is kind of charged at the moment. Uh, at this particular point in in, in history, over the last uh, couple of weeks, of, of course, you would have seen in the news um, the uh, the death of George Floyd and then the uh, the way that that has swept around the world. And there is uh, there is some tension in the world around this idea of. Uh, ethnic diversity, racial um, uh, prejudice, and, and the likes, and that's not just a, a U.S. thing. Uh, we just need to we just need to admit the fact that it is live and well here in New Zealand. Um, and when we need to uh, perhaps even stare in the face of the fact that it might be alive and well here in our in our church, um, so we just need to uh, to take heed of that. And uh, and as the world grapples with this issue, we need to be thinking about how we grapple with it within our church setting as well but that doesn't mean that we uh, that we try and flatten out ethnic diversity and ethnic differences we should celebrate these wonderful different styles of approaching the world wonderful different ways of engaging with the world the wonderful different ethnicities that we celebrate within our church and so we have differences we have diversity and it is good this is the way that God made us as a church and it is a good thing. And so uh, as we carry on through our, through our passage, we come to the next uh, major thing that we need to, to, to grapple with. And that's the fact that the church needs you. Uh, as a church, uh, we need each of us. doesn't matter whether you think you have uh, just a little bit to offer or whether you think you have a, a lot to offer. The church needs you. You might not think that you are uh, particularly necessary, but have a look at verse 22. If you've been sitting there thinking, that you uh, you don't have a lot to offer the the, the church. Perhaps you're uh, you're feeling uh, weaker in the church. That uh, perhaps your background isn't strong, or perhaps you don't have a particular skill set that you see as being valuable. Have a look on uh, in verse 22. It says, "On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, and here's the word, are indispensable." No matter how much you think you have to give the church or that, how much you think you, you don't have to give the church, God says that you are indispensable to the church. And so we need you in the game and not sitting on the sideline. We need you in the game, not on the bench. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's, a, there's an element of which we, uh, we sometimes have a, have a uh, strange notion about what church is. We might think that the church is all about those that end up being up here on this stage, on this thing that we, that we call a stage. Um, notice that you'll never find a stage mentioned in the Bible. Um, in fact, you'll actually not, never find a church building mentioned in the Bible. Uh, the, 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 the early church, they met in, uh, met in homes. Sometimes they met in synagogues, uh, but they, by and large, they met in, in homes. And we might think then, uh, if we get, because there is a, uh, somewhat of a focus on, on the, uh, and even the cameras are pointed towards this thing that we call a stage, yeah? We might think that, that, that if you're not serving in some sort of upfront ministry, then you might not be as, as important. Um, 
But again, we come back to verse 22. You are indispensable. No matter what your gifting is, your input into the church is needed. We need you. We need you as part of our, our body. We need you as part of our, uh, of, our, of our group together. Let's go back to what we've been thinking about over the last few months, really, about what is the church. What do we mean by the church? We've talked about a number of times how it's not a building. We've talked about a number of times how it's not a 90-minute, uh, or not, it's not just a 90-minute service that we, that we conduct on a, on a Sunday morning, although that's a part, absolutely, that's a part of what we do as a, as a church gathering. It's been interesting as we've been talking about these things, uh, then a lockdown happened, and we were forced to be a church when we couldn't gather together. We were forced to be a church when the, when the building here was essentially irrelevant for four or five weeks. But because sometimes historically we have had a, an, an emphasis on a building and an emphasis on a Sunday morning service, sometimes we get this false idea that in order to use your spiritual gift, you have to, uh, you have to be, somehow be part of, the, of a Sunday morning service, somehow be part of, of the things that are going on uh, here in this little spot here. But that's not how the church works. There is 168 hours in a week. Chances are we will spend, most people will spend 165 or more of them outside of this building. So that means that the, that the, the vast majority of your week as you live as a church is going to be outside of here and being a church together out there in the community, looking after one another, sharing with one another, uh, serving one another, taking the message that you have been entrusted, the gospel message, and sharing it with uh, those that don't know it, the, the sharing it with the lost, sharing it with your neighbors, with your, perhaps your extended family. There's a, uh, there's a, a kind of a, a, a theological a term that has, uh, this floats around. And if you've been a part of a, an Open Brethren church, you've probably heard it in, uh, in, in years gone by. And that's the idea of the priesthood of all believers. Um, and that, uh, you might think that that's a, a, a Brethren thing, perhaps, if you've, if you've heard that term before. But actually, no, it's a biblical thing. Have a look at First Peter chapter 2. Uh, we are all priests we have one high priest who is Jesus Christ, but we are all priests in the fact that we have direct access to God. So what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean for us? That means that there is no special class of Christian. There is no professional ministers. There are no professional ministers. Uh, we are all ministers. We're all ministers of the gospel. We are, uh, there's no, no special professional class. There's nothing uh, around this, uh, the idea of ordination that is, uh, that is, again, something that's not mentioned in the Bible. So if you're a Christian, then you are part of the body and you are a necessary part. And in fact, the, God says you are an indispensable part. I have, uh, I have been limping. Uh, for about two weeks now. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we went for a, a little bit of a family holiday. Uh, we just had a couple of nights down in, uh, in Wellington. And one of the things that we did down there was we, uh, the boys and I hired some e-scooters, and we had a whole lot of fun ripping around the, uh, the waterfront down there in, in Wellington. But maybe we had a little bit too much fun uh, because at one stage I ended up uh, somewhat embarrassingly on my back with a very sore foot and an e-scooter uh, spinning wildly beside me. And the boys are kind of chuckling until they realized that I'd actually hurt myself pretty bad. 
And uh, as I fell off, I, I, I obviously slammed my heel into the ground, and my heel has been uh, has just been hurting. It's been it's been in, in real pain for the last couple of weeks. We've had an X-ray, no no break, no fractures, which is which is great. But it's taking a long time to to get better, which I find is ironic. The uh, the if any part of the body uh, should be able to heal quickly, it would be the heel. I, I would have thought, but. Anyhow, uh, but, what it, but what it's meant is just, is just about everything in my day for the last two weeks has been frustrating and it has been painful because part of my body is not working as it's supposed to. Part of my body just doesn't want to be there. It just wants to be in bed. It wants to have, be up on a chair or something like that. And so I, so I limp and so it's, it's painful to, to, to walk around and to do anything. If you're not part of the, if you're not um, joined into this body and, and you're not using this, the gifts that God has given you, we're missing you. And, and we're limping because you are not part of our body or you're not, not playing your part in our body here. We're missing you in home groups. We're missing you, uh, we're missing hearing what God has been doing in your life. Hopefully, we might be able to hear uh, uh, Josh's uh, story a, a little bit later on in the service. I'm not, not sure how we're going with that. Sound, looks like we, we might be able to do that. Uh, and in fact, let's, let's see if we can throw a technical curveball. Is there any way that we can insert Josh's testimony right here and right now and then come back to me? They're scrambling. They're saying yes. Okay, so give them a second or two. And here is here's Josh's uh, testimony. Josh is just going to tell us a, a little bit about an accident that he had during the Level 4 lockdown and, uh, and how the church was a, a real blessing to him. Here we go. Hello, my name is Josh Jorgensen. I'm married to Katie Jorgensen. We've been coming to TA Bible Chapel for about a year and really enjoy coming to this church. I'm going to tell you about my recent experience as a testimony to the power of the community, of the church, and the power of God and prayer. My recent experience was actually a horrible accident. I was riding something called an electric unicycle, which is a device similar to a Segway, but with one wheel instead of two. I had ridden it many times before without any problems, but this time the motor died while I was going at 19 k's per hour, and it threw me off. I landed badly and broke my knee joint and wrist. I then went to hospital and had to have two separate surgeries and I'm going through a long recovery now. The part of this experience that I want to emphasize today is how much the church helped me throughout this experience. When I was in hospital, my wife told me that she had informed the church of my situation and asked them to pray for me. She then kept me up to date and reminded me that people at church were praying for me, and this was a massive comfort and support for me while I was in hospital waiting for surgery. There were a lot of reasons why my stay in hospital was unpleasant. There was intense pain, the anxiety about the surgeries, the anxiety about whether I would fully recover missing my wife because there were no visitors allowed and suffering from my reaction to the painkillers that they were giving me. All of these things combined made me feel quite unhappy and unpleasant at times. At this time in the hospital, the knowledge that I had people praying for me, caring about me and wishing the best for me gave me so much strength and hope. In regards to the injury and surgery, 
I spoke to many surgeons before my surgery, and a lot of them seemed quite alarmed by the injury and quite worried about how the surgery would go. I was told that the tibia bone was damaged like a ceiling in a house that had collapsed. I was told that my femur had driven itself through my knee joint. Some said I would have arthritis, which is joint pain, straight away, and others said I may have arthritis in 10, 20, or 30 years from now. They said that I may need a knee replacement in future, which is a major surgery. They said my joint may be locked in the straight position at first and need to be bent slowly over time. This was all very troubling. What seems to me almost like a miracle is that a lot of those negative things turned out better than they expected. Two days after surgery, I had such low pain that I didn't need any painkillers. After surgery, they told me that I could rotate my knee fully because the surgery had gone so well. And after the MRI and CT scan, it turned out that the break wasn't as bad as they had thought. So it was able to be fixed with 10 screws and a plate. It took two incisions either side of my knee instead of having to cut it from the back of the knee, which, was, uh, which has major arteries and nerves in it. When I got home from hospital, the church gave me such lovely food and support, which was also so amazing. I want to say thank you to everyone who helped me so much through this hard time, and thank you to God for giving me such a good outcome from my horrible injury. Thanks. Love, Josh and Katie. Hey, well, there you go. Clearly, the uh, the moral of the story there is that we should all be staying off motorised wheeled apparatuses, I think. Um, it's clearly Josh's injury was far more significant th than my one, but great to hear how the how the Church of God, us as a body, was were, was praying for Josh, and that clearly, if you if uh, having had a really good chat with uh, with Josh around this, uh, it clearly ha there was a significant, a massive impact that that your prayers had for Josh and his recovery. And then even the practical things as well, uh, that just bring meals to them and just loving on uh, Josh and Katie there and uh, loving them as, as a church family. When, when you're sitting on the sidelines and not using your gifts, uh, people like Josh and Katie would miss out uh, because they're not being wrapped around. Uh, when you're sitting on the sidelines, uh, if, if Josh hadn't had um, just, just made his story and his testimony known, we wouldn't have been able to benefit and just being encouraged and hearing of Josh's story there. We need you. We need to be hearing what God is doing in your life and through your life. We need to know that, that uh, we need to hear about the people that you are engaging with at work and, uh, and in your neighborhood and so that we can pray for you and pray with you as you desire and as you try and take the gospel to them. And, and we need to uplift you in, 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 the, in that work in prayer. And you need to be praying with others and who are doing the same sort of thing. This is how the body works together. Again, this, it's not the body of, the, of, of Christ, the 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 church is not just about, it's part of it, but it's not just about those that are standing up here on the, on the stage and doing things like teaching or singing or, or playing their instruments and the likes. 
that's part of it, but, it's, but we as a church are, are so much more than that. We go out into the world and we love one another and we, uh, and we love the, the world by taking the most important message that they could ever hear to them. Just a side, uh, a side note along those lines, perhaps some of you are sitting on the sideline for a reason. Perhaps some of you uh, are feeling like Sonny Bill Williams in that fateful Lions game because maybe you've done something in your past and you feel like you should be sitting on the sideline. Uh, you should be sitting there with a red card in your hand uh, and, and not being part of the game, not being part of the, of the church and being, being involved with the church. Well, the gospel says that you have been forgiven in Jesus. The gospel says that because uh, Jesus has taken the punishment for your sin, then everything is forgiven. And so we, when, when you're sitting there on the sideline feeling like you've got a red card in your hand, again, what you're, what we're, what's happening there is, is we are missing out on hearing the, the wonderful story of how Jesus has restored you. And the wonderful story of how, how something might have happened in your life, but the gospel of Jesus Christ has overcome that and, as, and you have experienced the forgiveness of, of God and have experienced the forgiveness of the church and now you are uh, being part of the church and, and using your story to, to be a blessing to the rest of the church. Jesus paid for whatever it was, and you don't need to sit on the sideline. And no one can tell you to sit on the sideline. In fact, have a look at verse 21. It says, uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Remember again, verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We need you. Now, here's where we need to just be... Uh, be careful about a message such as this, because it's pretty easy to, to hear a message such as this and think, okay, well, what I need to do is I need to just get in, dig in and start, uh, start working, start, start serving in the church and start getting involved. And on one hand, that's, uh, that's correct. But on the other hand, we need to just realize what this passage, the, where, the, where this passage sits in the Bible, where it sits in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And well, like I mentioned right at the beginning, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about spiritual gifts. It's about spiritual gifts. And this is about Christ's spirit working in us and working through us. Have a look at verse 13, the second verse in our passage. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and were all made to drink of one spirit. This is, when, when we're talking about using our gifts and, and serving the body of Christ, we're talking about God's spirit, Christ's spirit working in us. We're baptized into the same reality. We're baptized into the same, uh, into the same spirit here. Here's what it means. Because God's spirit... His very spirit lives within you and is the one that enables you to live the Christian life because you can't do it in your own strength. You just can't get up there and think, okay, well, I'm going to get in here and I'm going to live this Christian life. We fail when we do that. Because God's spirit lives within you and is the one that enables you and it's the same spirit that lives in me and the same spirit that lives in you and the same spirit that lives in the person that is sitting next to you. And that spirit has something that is vital to offer the church. We need Christ living out through you in the church. 
And when we don't have Christ living out through you in the church, we're missing something. We're having you on the sideline. Uh, having you on the sideline is not is is, is de- depriving the the rest of the church of of a little piece of Christ living out in the church. And that drives us to the last part of this uh, of the of this passage here, and that we are then because of all this, we're to live together in unity. Let's have a look at verse twenty five and twenty six. Verse twenty five. Um, uh, is, is kind of part of a, uh, the rest of a, or a part of a run-on sentence. Uh, maybe we'll go back halfway through verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, and that the, but that the members may have the same care for one another. There's our unity. If one member suffers, all suffer together. There's unity. If one member is honored, then all rejoice together. There is our unity. It's not just because we share a common set of beliefs, but because we share a common experience in the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that resides later, uh, that resides in us, in each of us. Now, and just a quick side note, later on in the series, uh, we will be uh, looking at how we are, we are instructed uh, to have some sort of unity in, in the belief system that, that, we, uh, that we adhere to. Uh, we're going to tackle that. But what this passage here is talking about is the fact that we, have, we, are, we are different, yet we are united. Because we are united and having the exact same spirit that lives with, within us. Because this is essentially what distinguishes between being a believer and, and an unbeliever, isn't it? The spirit of God living within us. Uh, those who are believers, uh, Romans 8 verses 14 to 17 uh, tells us exactly that. Those who are believers have the Spirit of God living within them. The unbeliever does not. One of the, uh, one, a couple of my favorite uh, British actors uh, who unfortunately did uh, um, some uh, perhaps more questionable stuff, but they had a, had a lot of good stuff as well. John Cleese and Rowan Atkinson, um, they're a couple of hilarious British uh, actors and, uh, and, but one of the reasons why I really like those two actors is they are masters of what you would call physical comedy. Um, the, I, I just have uh, mental pictures in my mind of, of, uh, of, of an arm that's just slapping the, uh, the, it's the owner's face, slapping his own face uncontrollably, um, and just ridiculous physical comedy, um, and, and how, how they are, how the, how the, person that's going through the the scene uh it's it's their own body that's that's kind of betraying them and, and doing physically hurting themselves in a com- comedic way and it can be hilarious to watch in a comedy sketch but it's crippling for any group of people when one part of the body is hurting another when one part of the body is not pulling its weight and and not serving the rest it can be crippling for any group of people, let alone a family. The, uh, I talked a, a number of times throughout the, this morning about the All Blacks. They are, they are such a clinically effective uh, team because they are a well-oiled team together. They're a well-oiled machine, and they, they are united in purpose. As a church... As a church, we have to be united in our purpose. We have to be united in what we are doing, not divided... The world is going to see us. We live in a world around us. The world is going to see us, and they are either going to think much of God because of how we are united together, or they are going to think little of God because of how we are divided. We share a common experience. 
of the Spirit of God residing in us. I said before, it's the same Spirit that lives in me, the same Spirit that lives in you, the same Spirit that lives in the person that's sitting beside you. So ask the question then, how can God be divided against himself? If we are living together as a, as a church body and we are not united together, if we are divided against one another, then that's not the Spirit of God living out in you. That is, the, that is your own sinful uh, flesh that is living out uh, in, in you. We must be uh, displaying the Spirit of God living out and uh, towards one another. How can the Spirit of God, how can God be divided against himself? It doesn't mean, uh, though, that we're going to um, think exactly the same. It doesn't mean we're going to hold the exact same theological uh, position on every matter. What it does mean is that we, as a diverse group of people, as, a, as an eclectic mix, we're going to unite in loving God. We're going to unite in loving the church. We're going to unite in loving the lost. We're going to unite around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to live that out in our lives. And we're going to proclaim it to the world. What does living in unity look like? Have a look back at your Bible. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When someone suffers, we suffer together. When, when uh, uh, Josh was, uh, was injured, the, the body uh, felt it together. And we, uh, we gathered around and prayed for him and helped as much as we could. When someone is honored and, re and re rejoices, we all rejoice together. Over the uh, lockdown, a couple of babies were born in the church family and we rejoiced together and we celebrated with them. Lockdown has, uh, has caused some tough times. Uh, lockdown has caused some tough scenarios, the, the loss of loved ones. Uh, there's still as much work to be done in terms of working through that, some of that pain. But a unified church is going to wrap arms around those that are hurting. We're going to lift up the fallen. We're going to cry with those who, that are, who are crying. We're going to celebrate with those that are celebrating. Why? Because we're not just a, a bunch of nice people who belong to the same club. We're not just a bunch of nice people that, are, that belong to the same club. We are a group who have the Spirit of God flowing through each of us. The Spirit of God that propel, propels a diverse, eclectic group of people to sacrificially get into the game, to sacrificially love one another in a spirit of unity. And just as we finish up, I see this uh, red clock here is flashing in front of me. It says I'm, says I'm done, so I'm going to be done. Just as I'm finishing up, just a, just a word to, to those that might, might be thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty sure, though, I, I'm not a Christian. What, is, what does this mean for me? I'm not part of the church. Perhaps I've come and, and, uh, and visited the church a couple of times. Perhaps at, uh, during this lockdown time, uh, you might have been clicking into the live service just and joining in the live service. And we know that there is, uh, there's been a number that have been kind of um, just perhaps been involved with the church in, uh, in, in days gone by, but not for a long time. And you've uh, connected in via the live stream. Perhaps there's some who, who have been, yeah, been, been loosely connected through friends in the past, and you're joining in via the live stream. Maybe you've drifted away at some point, whatever the case may be, and we're glad that you have been joining in over this live stream. However, if you're not a Christian, in this, uh, in this analogy, I guess you're sitting in the crowd. You're sitting in the crowd, you're sitting in the stands, you're watching on, but you're not part of the game. 
we've been describing the church family. We've been describing when it is working as God intends it to be. It's the most amazing group of people on this earth because they have God in them and it's God that's working through them. And it's so beautiful to be part of a church that loves one another and just loves on one another. But that's not the, being part of the church is not the real prize. It's wonderful to join with a group of people like this and it's wonderful to, to be part of, of a church. But that's not the real prize. When you surrender to Christ and when you have your sins forgiven, when you take you, when that takes you out of the stands and brings you into the game, brings you into, this, the, into the church here, what it does, what that does when your sins are forgiven, it, it, it removes the thing that stands between you and God. It removes that which stands between you and an eternity in heaven without any of the problems, without any of the pain, without any of the pandemics of this world. What it does is it brings you into a relationship with God so that you might know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You might know all the things that, that were, were part of your life that separated you from God, all of those things being forgiven, and that you might know a life with Christ, a life with the church, loving uh, together with the church, and a life in eternity uh, with God in heaven with him in paradise. So if you have never asked Christ for, for forgiveness of your sins, then, uh, then even as, as the live stream carries on, feel free to press pause on the live stream and just pray and just ask God that he would forgive you, that you would that, we'll pray that, that, uh, that you would come and, and, uh, and just surrender everything before God and ask for his forgiveness that is only available in Christ because Christ paid for all your sins on the cross. But let's pray together as we, as we finish up our time here. Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, this, this passage here that we find in 1 Corinthians. Thank you that you have given us instruction about being together and living together as a church. Well, there's so many I know that feel like they are sitting on the sidelines. And it might be sitting on the sidelines because life is busy. It might be because they're, they're sitting on the sidelines because they feel like they've been given a yellow card or a red card. They might be sitting on the sidelines because they, they are scared of getting in and, and being part of a group. Lord, I pray that we as a church would just be a, a, a wonderful, united, even though we're different, but a united group of people who share the love of Jesus with one another and share the love of Jesus with the world around us. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraging to one another, that we would lift one another up in prayer, that we would just enjoy living life together and sharpening one another as we rub shoulders together. Lord, I pray that we would be able to do that real soon as a, as a gathering here each Sunday uh, from next week on. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to, to work in us by the power of your Spirit. So we thank you for these things, and it's in Jesus' wonderful and powerful and saving name that we pray. Amen.